You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Oz Network as we bring you another episode on our continued coverage of Nip Tuck. Uh, we are swimming along beautifully. We're into the fourth season still, the 11th episode. This one is called Connor McNamara 2026. Now, this is often regarded as either one of the best or one of the worst episodes. There's really, I feel, not a whole lot of middle ground here. A lot of people love this uh, episode. A lot of people hate this episode. I think probably more so people sway into the, the hate side of things. But uh, I'm very much looking forward to talking about this episode because I personally absolutely love this episode and I'm in, uh, intrigued to see what uh, my co-host has to think uh, when we get to discussing this episode. Uh, my name is Ben. And what is it about me? My size? <laughs> and I'm Nick, and uh, I just want to feel whole and normal in every way possible. Oh, don't we all? Don't we all? Um, yeah, Connor McNamara, 2026, Nick. Um, I mean, I, I'm just intrigued to get some general vibes of you from this episode before we even talk about it. Yeah, it's quite funny, because it feels like this is one we've talked about before we've talked about it, you know, like it's the one we keep referencing as, you know, the the worst rated episode, um, the one that everyone hates, um, the one that kind of, for some reason, everybody associates season four, like this episode sucks, so you should hate the whole season. Um, it, it really is interesting. Um, and I think probably, like, I, I went through today onto one of the, the websites and read, you know, kind of, it wasn't IMDb, it was one of the other ones, like, looking at the comments section about why people hate it. And I think probably we need to just establish something right from the start here, is that, um, are we meant to take this future, this vision of the future literally? Because I, I never did. Like, I took it as, like, this is what could become, you know, like, a, a, because I think a lot of people are like, well, it basically spoils the, the whole show because you know that they're all going to survive and this is what they're going to end up like. And I never really took it that way. It, it almost feels to me like, you know, and we'll get into it, but they kind of make it a little bit kind of... Um, you know, cartoonish and outlandish, the whole vision of the future, so that you shouldn't take it so literally. Um, you know, it's almost that Back to the Future Part 2 type of vibe, you know? Like, it's it's so silly that you couldn't take it seriously. Um, so, I don't know, where do you land? Do you, do you think this should be taken as an absolute literal taking of where the future is taking us? Um, I mean, it kind of, yeah, depends on how you watched it. I mean, if you watched this at the time live, and then, yeah, you probably do, but then, like, obviously, if you know how it kind of turns out, um, and then having go back and watch it. I mean, I think what happens from this point on without sort of being over spoilerific, I think that you can kind of still believe that this is possible, uh, for the most part. Um, a few exceptions along the way, I think. But, um, I think Ryan Murphy spoke about it in the, um, that round table that we always keep referencing. Um, and he was asked about this specific episode and he kind of, you know, loved doing it, but he then kind of regretted doing it because he felt as though he was kind of locked into place how these characters had to turn out. So, obviously, it was written on the perspective that this will be how they turn out, according to Ryan Murphy. Um, so, it was interesting kind of hearing him say that. But, um, look, I, I think kind of we sh- we'll probably always maybe come back and reference this episode moving forward because I think that, you know, as we've, we get through the final two seasons, there's there's not a whole lot really that happens that kind of goes against this, if that makes sense. Like, as in, it's this is still a, you, an absolute possibility that this could happen. Um, because, I mean, really, the thing that I may be... Like, I can definitely see that perspective, and it is very cartoonish and outlandish, but I just kind of also think the fact that there's also nothing, really, that they set themselves into stone too much. Like, maybe Matt becoming a surgeon is maybe it. 
Um, but I mean, outside of that, I mean, pretty much everything that happens is kind of just, you know, family related and things like that. And you, you're always going to have these like subtle little hints about the future and, you know, laser surgery and, you know, oh, isn't it a shame that gay people still can't get married and, you know, things like that. Yeah. Just kind of little quips in the future. Um, yeah. Cause, you know, it's just things like that. But I mean, realistically, outside of Matt becoming a surgeon, it's, it's kind of all like to me, not as, you know, like it's not like, oh, Christian loses his arm in an unfortunate sex incident or, you know, things like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm not as down as much, but I can also understand why people are, feel that way. Yeah. And I mean, I, to me, it's a bit like the whole Julia dream thing of like, this is what her life would have been like if she'd gone with Christian. It's like, well, you know, like maybe, but to me, it was just like a, it's a through the looking glass type thing. You'll never really know. And I think anybody who kind of sees this as a spoiler, you know, this actually spoils where the show's going. So you should stop watching. I think that's a, it's like a really closed way of thinking. I guess I'm just one of these people that thinks that, you know, destiny's not really a thing. I and mean, we're getting a bit deep here all of a sudden, but you know, that, you know, the, the future's not set. It, it is what you make of it. So this is just one potential vision. And I think yeah. we're kind of getting to the point that, you know, it all, it all centers around this one, um, kind of moment that happens or this, this kind of event that happens in the storm. And, it, you know, that's kind of like a, a bit of a sliding doors moment. So, um, I think this is just one potential way that, that this could play out. But to me, I never see this as, oh, well, this is a spoiler. None of these characters are going to die. Um, I can stop watching. And it's not the kind of show where you're hanging out to see if these people survive anyway. It's not like it's a, you know, a kind of crime show. That's not what this is. So to me, that's, that doesn't really matter to me. Um, so yeah, I think people that are kind of focusing on that and that's why they don't like this episode are probably actually missing quite a lot of quite interesting stuff that happens here. So yeah, yeah I think we probably get into it. We, but, but you know, I think that, I just kind of wanted to set that table a little bit because I think there's a lot that you can miss if you become fixated with this being a quote-unquote spoiler. And I think that's the thing, like I mentioned during the Julia McNamara episode, is just that, you know, I, I, I always enjoyed these types of episodes when they're done well, like sort of, you know, an alternative universe or, or a future kind of thing, and I think this is done well. Um, so, I mean... I think kind of we might have differing opinions. I don't know because I know you're kind of against these sort of episodes, but I mean, it's, it's done in a way that obviously, you know, while the Julia McNamara episode was done purely as a vision and, you know, sort of a dream as she's, you know, in surgery, there's no explanation to this. This is just, it just is how it is. Um, and then kind of it, the way it kind of bounces forward. And that's what I think is really clever. And that's just kind of like starting here with the episode when we kind of, we start with this, you know, young sort of, you know, 20-ish guy just talking, um, you know, asking about surgery and kind of hearing all these sort of things about his life, which, I mean, you're not thinking anything different at this point. I mean, yeah, okay, you probably go into this knowing it's called Conor McNamara 2026, um, but at the same time, like, you know, I if I watch a new TV show that's on TV, I don't necessarily always see the episode title, so, and if I haven't seen any commercials, you're not probably going to really know. So, I kind of like that way that you're kind of hearing all about this and, um, you know, like he's him talking about uh, his parents splitting up and South America and Africa, you know, once we're connected and you can see where they were and all the things like that. And then just, um, you know, obviously uh, gets there and he talks about his hand and then he's like, oh, you know, I want to be able to hold out my hand and say, hi, I'm Connor McNamara. So then it's all it's like, boom, okay, this is this is interesting. So I think it's kind of always um, one of these episodes that if you go back and sort of rewatch this and then, or just at least rewatch the opening sequence here where you, you kind of get a real reference point as to what's happened in the life over 20 years for this to kind of be a thing so you know obviously them breaking up and you know all these sort of things that you know just flowing on from last week um and then you know kind of coming back 
after the the credits you know we we hear a little bit about um you know the 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 unseen counselor who sort of mentions about like oh do you have any you know memories images of kind of these days and he's talking talking about that week we hear about Annie who obviously you know I'm going to love everything about her in this episode um you know about that as a big hurricane that week and sort of it it cuts back like uh to Julia and Sean uh, we're hearing about this hurricane and then just obviously, you know, we get, get all these like references and analogies to things blowing away in the wind and, you know, Julia doesn't want to ask questions about Monica and, uh, doesn't want to answer any questions about Marlo just because they know it is. I mean, I, I just kind of like the way this sort of opens and then transitions back to sort of the current time to see what's happening with this hurricane. Um, and just kind of, you know, as Niptuck does all these kind of like, you know, connections within, you know, in each other the storylines and always trying to reference things and that sort of stuff because there's always a subject matter as we've kind of you know established on all these episodes and this is obviously about a hurricane kind of serving in as something that kind of blows in destroys stuff but things can always you know go back to how they were after time essentially but i enjoy kind of how this opens and i enjoy that twist of this is Connor mcnamara and this is going to be in the future yeah, I, I actually really like, and it, you know, it's one of the the things I think they do very well on this episode is cutting backwards and forwards between the, the you know the present times and the future. I think that that's done really well, um, you know, because I think that that could be messy, and 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 it's not. It's actually done really well. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm actually a big fan of the setup here. I think it's done really well. Other than the fact that I think that if there's this big Category Five hurricane coming, these guys seem pretty relaxed about the whole thing. They're just like, <laughs> you know, Sean's having a scotch and. You know, then they're just lying in bed and, you know, like, you might want to, st- I don't know, they do later on, but you might want to start nailing things down a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we've seen that in real life recently in the last, you know, uh, what, 20, to date this episode, I guess the last 12 months, there was a couple of big, at least one big um, hurricane in Florida um, in 2017. I can't remember the name of it, but they kind of had a situation like this where they were like, shit, we need to leave. This is going to, like, take over all of, you know, southern Florida. So, um, yeah. you know, we've seen kind of the panic and everything with it. But, um, I mean, yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Uh, but I also, at the same time, like kind of the subtlety that it's kind of like, it's it's not about, the, I mean, they could have just done a whole episode about this hurricane, if you know what I mean. Like, we had a fucking plane crash last season. Sorry to bring that up again. But, um, you know, I mean, they could have easily just done this as an episode outside of, you know, this. And I just I just kind of like the way they've, they've brought it together in a way like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of funny. It's laying in bed. Oh, yeah. Category 5 hurricane, you know, whatever. Um, but, uh, obviously, uh, we then get Marlo. He's talking about Florence, because why not? Um, and then we find out that obviously Julie is going to be going with Marlo. I kind of feel sorry for Marlo in this episode. He's, he's dicked around a little bit, isn't he? Like, you know, like, oh, you're coming to Florence with me. Oh, okay, well, we'll see you in a month. Oh, you're not coming with me. Oh, no, you're not coming with me again. <laughs> Poor Marlo. Um, but, uh, he, we find out here that, that Julie is still going to go through with the surgery on the second hand. Marlo's not happy about this. Um, and then we kind of cut back to Julia and Sean. Julia's changed her mind again. Um, uh, she's going to take the kids and Sean, uh, you know, this, I, I kind of like the way Sean at this point, you know, really speaks up about the fact like, why him? I can understand you cheating, but like, why him to humiliate me and embarrass me at the same time? And, you know... Julia's just like, well, you just can't handle the fact that 
you know, he's different uh, to what you perceive as normal, I guess. But I really kind of, I mean, it's been sort of a while, I feel, that they've really addressed sort of the themes behind plastic surgery and kind of, you know, this industry. And I kind of, you know, it's only subtle in this episode, but I like the fact that, you know, Julie is talking about appearances and, you know, 80% of your surgery are based on sort of making people look normal and things like that. And then, you know, 80% of that paid for this house. And the way Julia kind of mentions, like, you know, it's seeped through into this house. It's consumed it, you know, eaten it like cancer. I really love the acting in this scene. Even Jolly Richardson, I'm going to praise her for that. Um, and even just the moment at the end when, uh, you know, Sean's like saying, like, remember when you got so angry, you threw this and smashed at, at me. And then Julie's just like, I'm not angry anymore. I'm done. He throws it, smashes it. And then he breaks down. Don't leave me. And then, um, we randomly see Annie just, uh, crying in the room. Um, maybe we'll save Annie on a couch, uh, separately. Cause there's a lot of Annie in this episode. A lot of Annie. Um, this is the Anniest episode we've ever had of Nip Dark. So maybe that's why I love it so much. But, um, yeah, I mean, I just, I really like the acting, uh, in all these scenes here. I mean, it's kind of a lot of things that we can just flow through quickly because it's just sort of, you know, dialogue heavy. There's not really surgery as such, uh, in much of this episode until we get to the future scenes. But yeah. Well, I think one of the things that I, I do want to go back and, and kind of back you up on there a little bit is, um, Jolly Richardson's acting, and I think one of one of the kind of keys for me is I really like her scenes when she's um, kind of controlled. I think when she's yelling or crying, or that's where I think she's not good. But I think when she's very kind of controlled and measured in her performance, she's really really good and believable. Um, and I think possibly that comes with when she's having to act very emotional that the the accent feels very stretched whereas it doesn't when she's kind of being more calm and so i think you know when she has those scenes she's really good and this is one of them yeah so i, I totally agree with you is that she is doing really well and um you know we we just never seem to to get you know we're, we're always giving um um christian you know the, the credit for for all the scenes that he's in but um this is a really good sean scene as well you know where he kind of um bounces from one to the other and and you know I'm, I'm not sure that we always give dylan walsh the credit he he deserves um for his acting and i think this is a really good one where he he kind of oscillates between really angry and and also really emotional and does it in a way that you you totally believe him so um you yeah, gold star for him yeah, and I think kind of just the, the scenes here that kind of follow before we really get into the future stuff is kind of just, you know, we've poor little Annie's uh, sitting on the couch now and she's asking, is it a fault? Like, I really think that up until this point, we've kind of just had little girl Annie, you know, like just little daddy, mummy, you know, that kind of sort of acting and sort of that style of Annie. I really feel, though, that in this episode... Um, when it comes to Kelsey Batelin, that she, she kind of seems more mature and grown up at this point. And I think kind of we get that a lot more from Annie moving forward. I mean, she does get a lot of ridiculously outlandish storylines, you know, eating hair, for example, and things like that. But, um, you know, I think that kind of just, I don't know, there was just something different about her in this scene with Sean. Uh, and just, you know, is it my fault, you know, and, Obviously, you know, she's wanting to live with, um, with Sean and everything. So I, I, I just, I, maybe I'll just pause here quickly just so you can talk about it. But I don't know if you kind of saw that too, that she seemed more mature in these scenes. Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I totally agree with you there. Um, and yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be nip tuck if, if we weren't giving her and everybody a, a few crazy storylines along the way. But yeah, I think she, she definitely, you can start to see that maturity kind of coming through and, and yeah, I mean, it's kind of good to see that. So yeah, no, I would, I'd, I'd second that 
Yeah, good, good on Annie. We need more Annie love, and it's going to happen more so in this episode very soon. Um, I don't know if it's going to be love as such, but uh, it's just hilarious. Um, but then we've got, uh, we can really, really hear the rain, the storms here. Here's old Marlo banging on the door. The roads are murder. And all of a sudden, Julia's changed her mind. No, I'm not going anywhere with you. Basically, she's not in love. Uh, and then kind of poor old Marlo, you know, what is it about me, my size? This always happens. It's always a novelty at first. Um, I know the feeling, Marlo. Um, and then we kind of get a nice little scene with him talking to Connor. Um, but I actually, I really like this scene here between Sean and Marlo as well, because, you know, he still starts off confrontational, like, what are you doing here? And, you know, and all that sort of stuff. And all of a sudden it's just kind of a case of, uh, you know, I just wanted to apologize to you, Sean. I'm sorry for lying. And then, you know, kind of, you know, I want to thank you for being such a great friend to my son and I hope you can stay in his life. I just, I just really like that sort of closure there that they kind of have because, you know, Sean, does have anger issues. This is a guy who has slept with his wife. We saw what he did to Christian. Uh, but at the end of the day here, he's just so calm about it. Um, so yeah, I just kind of like this little scene between the two of them. And, uh, you know, obviously this, this closing point really with Marlo at this point. Well, I think it's a, it's a real sign that, that Sean's defeated and you can see like, you know, at the start of this episode, he's really kind of fighting it. But by the end of the episode, he's kind of, I don't know if acceptance is the right thing, but I think he's kind of just been beaten down to the point. He just doesn't want to fight anymore. Um, and this is kind of that intermediary step where you can still see he's very angry about the whole thing, but he just doesn't really have the energy to fight it. And, um, yeah, again, you know, just, just going back to my earlier comment, you know, I think Dylan Walsh doesn't get the credit he, he deserves. And, um, I think this is just another really good way of, of, of showcasing his abilities as an actor. And we should mention this is going to be the last episode we will have of Peter Dinklage. So, um, Sadly, he will never return. Um, so this is kind of the thing, I guess, for the future that, um, you know, maybe is one of the things that you can kind of question. Obviously, it doesn't happen, whether it's real or not. Like, kind of going back to what I was saying at the beginning is that, um, you know, we never see, uh, Marlowe involved. But I mean, having said that, there's no real drastic time jumps in, um, Nip Tuck moving forward either. So kind of there's two more seasons after this. It's basically two more years of their lives we're going to see. And, uh, you know, Connor's only going to be like a two-year-old by the end of it. So, uh, is he going to be there as a two-year-old? Who knows? But, like, we obviously kind of get a lot more when we're about to get to this scene here, finding that uh, Marlo's still being part of his life. Um, Marlo's obviously goes off and has a son afterwards. Um, he becomes his godparents. Do you get this scene when, like, he's all like, oh... You know, I never got godparents. You know, they never decided in the in the divorce. So I just I demanded that Marlo be my godparents. I don't know if this is really still an American thing or that, but I thought that the tradition of godparents is long gone. I mean, I sort of had godparents, but at least in my family, it wasn't really a, a thing. You know what I mean? I, I don't know if this is still a thing that much. Well, I think as a um, a, a kind of um, used to be a Catholic, I guess it's still quite a big thing if you're religious. But if you're not religious, I think it's probably not something you you generally do anymore. Um, because God, you know, godparents are kind of tied to a baptism, and and most people wouldn't have a baptism for their kids anymore if they're you know if they're, well, if they're not religious anyway. Well, I mean, I was so about... yeah, it's probably not. Sorry, Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, like, like... no, I was just going to say, you know, I, I think it's it's not something that you would generally see if you're. If, if it's if religion's not a huge part of your life, then no, you probably you probably don't see it very much anymore. I was I was baptized, and I used to always say like, "Who are my good parents?" But I just think it was ever officially confirmed. Um, but uh, poor old Connor, his time's up in his uh, in his yeah. Future. It's just like this, this is really really like abrupt. It's like he's pouring his heart out, and he's just like, 
I'm afraid our time's up. It's like, <laughs> it's like he's on some like, long-distance call and he just ran yeah. out of coins. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Bye. Uh, it's Cindy Plum <laughs> again, like it's just a phone sex line or something like that. Um, yeah, I was very abrupt about it. It's like, okay, time's up. See you. Bye. Um, but obviously, you know, he the therapist is kind of... I think he's a bit of a dick too. Like, well, maybe you need to talk to your parents about this. <laughs> Isn't that what he's paying you for, mate? Um, yeah, yeah. So, so basically, you know, we hear that, oh, they haven't sat down and talked forever. They all hate each other. Uh, and here we go. We get a scene here. Um, but old Connor sitting at the table. We've got Julia, you know, 20 years age, still looking pretty good. And who's this blonde girl sitting at the table? This um, Who is she? Oh, wait, it's Annie. Uh, <laughs> older Annie, 30-year-old Annie. Uh, played by Jennifer Elise Cox. Now, um, I can't say I'm overly familiar with anything else. I'm just looking here. She's done a lot more than, um, uh, young Annie Kelsley Batlin has done. So, uh, clearly she's, uh, gone on to a, a little bit of things, but she's obviously not really, uh, somebody who's done a whole lot. Um, yeah, it doesn't have that curse, that's for sure. No. Um, and I, and I guess this is, a, like, this is a really good time to kind of, break on and let you know I actually did a, a tiny little bit of research um, oh. coming into this episode because um, I really wanted to know if this girl has any connection to Ryan Murphy or the producers or anything. Um, I couldn't find any. And the reason that I thought that might be the case is because she looks nothing like Annie. And, and that's that's what I find. Like, she looks so unlike Annie that it just it takes me out of the moment. Um, you know, like, they basically just got Avril Lavigne to come and sit on this, <laughs> you know, and on this role for, you know, for an episode. And I just wish they'd found somebody like all the lines in her, you know, you know, the actual character they're portraying here, totally fine. But I just wish they had found somebody that looked a bit more. It's just, it's so far removed that I just can't get into it. And, and, um, if, if there's one big thing I, I really struggle with with this episode, it's the casting of Annie, you know, the older Annie. It just, it just doesn't work for me on any level. Um, and, and it just takes me, and I'm not saying she's a bad actress or anything like that. I think she just, she just physically doesn't look anything like any and it just it, it, i just find it unbelievable it's an interesting point because i mean i guess i haven't really thought about it too much that way because i guess i'm sort of paying more attention to the dialogue and just the way she turns out which is just so what she would turn out like um but yeah i mean it, definitely i can I, I agree with you i think kind of on the flip side of that the guy who looks like connor i mean i know we're kind of only looking at like a little baby but i think connor looks like sean um oh yeah and, and that's the funny thing is that on the other side of things they have they have cast brilliantly for connor they've found somebody that looks exactly like sean and so it just it just makes me wonder what the hell was going on here um yeah because i just think these lines for these lines that that she's saying to work they need to be in the hands of somebody that actually looks and feels like she belongs you know, alongside the rest of this family, and she just doesn't. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's just my opinion, but I, I just find it really hard to get into from that perspective. Maybe at the end of the day, uh, the producers and the creators don't care about Annie either, so they don't give a shit what she looks like. Oh, we, well, we never see her. We don't know what she looks like. Um, yeah. Blonde girl with black in her hair. Um, but... <laughs> Like, so much of just is happening here from the beginning that I just, I love the way, like, Ryan Murphy has written this, and I, I just really, like, if we ever get him on the show, which is never going to happen, but it would just be so much fun to talk to him about his mindset in writing this character of Annie, like, were you being meta, were you just kind of listening to the fans' responses, were you even thinking, because we obviously, you know, um, when we, when we had, uh, God, why have I gone blank on Matt's name, um... 
God damn it. Uh, John Hensley, thank you, uh, on the show, uh, when he kind of would joke about the fact that, you know, yeah, that was a thing on, on set, like, where's Annie, where's Annie? Um, and just the fact that they play up to this, uh, and just even in the case here when it's like, you flushed my gerbil when I was so young, you know, and you made me have the, the tampon party, you know, I get panic attacks whenever I use a tampon. Um, and then it's just, you know, all surgeries more important than my bulimia. Um, just like, you just can tell that this is just brought up from a terrible childhood from her, which gets even better later on. Um, I just, I just love it so much, just how they play, play it up. And then kind of um, just all the issues she's got and just all these subtle little hints towards, you know, a future, which, I mean, you know, we're we're in 2018 right now, at least to date this um, is only eight years away. We're closer to this alleged future than we are, you know, this episode airing. Um, and yet, you know, are we any closer to having phones implanted into our heads? Probably not. Um, so I just kind of like these moments that they kind of have that and all that sort of things there. But, uh, they're at a big table, you know, is this a metaphor for the divide within our family? Um, and then Sean comes and, uh, you know, he's aged a bit in 20 years. Um, looks, I mean, what do you think of the makeup in this episode about how, you know, particularly, I think it's mainly Sean because, I mean, Matt kind of just, you know, they've just receded his hair a little bit and put a bit of grey in it. Julia, they've just maybe put a few wrinkles on there and made it look like Christian. He's just maybe got like the bit of the grey hair and he just speaks like he's a bit older. But Sean's the one I think that's aged the most out of all of them. Yeah, I think I, you know, and it's not something that I comment on on the show a lot because I don't need to. It's normally so good I never, I never even really think about it. But yeah, the the makeup and the costuming and and things on these characters in this episode just again, it's a bit like the Annie cast, and it just takes me out of it. Like I think it's just it, it's just bad because I think you know like they basically have just tried to you know put some wrinkles on Julia, whereas it appears to me Sean has more hair than he did in the past. It's just it's um it's just grey. Um, you know, I, I feel like we are, you know, a couple of decent wigs away from this being an, an awesome episode, you know, because I think same thing with Christian. I think like he seems to have more hair than he did, you know, um, earlier on. It, it's just all big and boofy. Like he's basically got a Donald Trump wig on, you know, like it's just his big pie hair. Um, and yeah, I think just the wigs, especially on these guys, is just, it's too much for me. Um, and you know, like I, I everything else is actually really good. Like, I love the whole thing that basically, you know, Christian is more or less this this Hugh Hefner-type character, and he's in this, you know, like, lavender suit. And, you know, like, it's just it's perfect for, for who you would expect. But I just feel like, yeah, the the, the makeup is kind of letting these guys down on this episode. And, yeah, it's, like I say, it's not normally something I would comment on, but it's just enough to take me out of the moment. I, I, uh, I mean, it's maybe not as down as you, but I still think it's, yeah, it's just, it's kind of funny, because, like, I don't, know if they would age that much i mean again we're what what are we 12 years after this episode and if you look at the real life um julie mcmahon and dylan walsh and jolly richardson they don't really look that much older and that's been 12 years yeah, and, so. I, and I, yeah and i, I think the other thing here too is that um you know like i think you know christian's got a bit of a pot belly going on and things <laughs> like that and you know, the, the reality is, is that this guy, the character, as he's written, is so vain. He would never let himself have grey hair and a pot belly. You know, he would be getting lipo every week and hair plugs and, you know, like all that kind of stuff. Like, he would be doing everything he could to hold back the, the ravages of time. So, you know, like, he, he definitely would not be letting himself go grey. That We know that for sure. Um, so, yeah, it, it does feel just a little bit unbelievable and, yeah, like a little bit overdone to kind of really emphasise the, the passing of time. 
which I guess is probably why some people, and like what you were saying at the beginning, like, is this meant to be legit? You know, it's maybe a bit of a satire. And I mean, it is, it is a bit of a satire in itself. And the fact that, you know, like with the Annie stuff is definitely, you know, a satire of itself. Um, but yeah, it's kind of, yeah, I, I like what they do with Christian too, that he's basically just never going to change. He's always going to be like that, you know, oh, the super Viagra wears out and things like that. The super and, Viagra, yeah. yeah. And I mean, that's what I quite like about it. Like, I like that we have this, it's poking fun at the fact that, and you know, like it's one of those things I always think about being a big Back to the Future fan is that, yeah. you know, part two of that is, you know, the, the producers will, will say that they deliberately went over the top in terms of, you know, trying to predict the future because they didn't actually want to predict the future. So they made it so outlandish that they knew that isn't what would happen. Mm-hmm. And I think you certainly, you you get that vibe here as well, um, is that they're deliberately making it over the top so that people can't really go, well, this is what the future's going to look like. And, you know, apart from a few dumb things like, you know, the, the, the phone chip in the ear or whatever the hell it is that Annie's got going on and you know references to gay marriage still being illegal and you know like things like that they really don't they don't really emphasize that they're in the future Hmm. um it's just all done through the makeup um yeah so it's in some ways it's done really well and in other ways i think just the, the the critical stuff in terms of when you look at them that is a little bit of a harder sell for me I do like, though, that kind of when they all arrive and they're sort of at the table and they're talking about it and then sort of Matt shows up and then, you know, he's become a surgeon and, you know, the subtle little reference there of the past of, like, Sean having created some technique and being in the New England Journal of Medicine and all this kind of stuff. But then I kind of like just, you know, Connor here when he's just basically like, this is the first time we've all been in the room, you know, since I was blah, blah, blah. So I just I just kind of like that moment um, with him there. And Stark Sands, what a name. That's a guy who plays Connor McNamara. Stark Sands. Please tell me it's a stage name. <laughs> if he's born that way, like, Jesus Christ, he was destined to be an actor. Um, but, yeah, I, I think kind of, he, he does really well. Uh, props to Stark Sands. Uh, I don't know what to think of that name. Um, it's just such a good on him. Uh, he actually, I thought I, I recognized him. He was in a show called NYC 22. Uh, which was just kind of a show on, like, new recruits in the NYPD. It didn't really last that long, but it was actually quite good. Um, so, yeah, he's a pretty good actor. He's also he's gone on to be in uh, the TV miniseries of Minority Report. Uh, he was in The Post, um, of course, Academy Award-nominated well, film. I think he actually does this really well. Like, I think he plays the, the earnestness of, of this Connor character really, really well. I think it's done particularly well and so for somebody to kind of come in and and knock it out of the park like i think he does in this episode um is really impressive and i think he's a good fit i think he kind of is a good balance for the outlandishness of especially the annie character but um all the others he he's kind of the grounding that you need in this episode so yeah he comes in and and makes the most of of this kind of one episode thing that he's got here and, and does a good job with it yeah completely agree and what, what do you think about um matt what they've done with john hensley because i mean i really don't think they've done much with his just a bit of gray yeah. hair <laughs> yeah and i guess that's the thing is in some ways i think they've kind of gone over the top and in his way i think that i actually think they've kind of hit the mark a lot better with him that they've kind of just basically given him a beard a beard and some glasses and that you know has basically indicated that he's gotten you know 30 years old or 20 years older i should say um it's probably more to it than that but um I, i would probably rather they were a bit more minimalist but I understand why they're not for the rest of them. But, yeah, I, you know, I'm quite happy with what they've done with, with Matt's look in this episode. 
Uh, so we then have uh, kind of back to the past. And again, seamlessly transition. I just like the way they kind of do it. Sean's uh, banging the windows closed. And I just kind of like this little scene we have between him and Matt. Because really, uh, scenes between Sean and Matt are few and far between in this situation kind of. And moving forward, we will still get very few scenes when they're kind of, you know, I guess on good terms. I mean, we sort of know with Matt kind of his situation at the moment. So this is kind of a, a rare scene in season four where this is happening. And I just kind of like the acting and the breakdown here when, you know, Sean's yelling, go be with your family, never leave them. And then obviously, um, you know, Matt's just like, oh, look, I'm never going to leave you. Um, so it's, it's a nice little scene between them. Um, and I just kind of lumped this in, so back into the future, where, uh, you know, a very beautifully fancy hospital room, can we just point that out, I want to go to a hospital that looks like that, um, photos, and we kind of get our usual um, uh, interchangeable uh, scene, is that, am I jumping ahead here? This is the interchangeable scene, isn't it, where they're kind of talking to each other about doing the surgery? Um, yeah, yeah. It is, yes. <laughs> um, I, I'll just I'll just jump back um, for a minute there because I just want to talk about, um, again, John Hensley. Is that I think he's really come out of his shell in this, this episode, uh, sorry, this season, you know, that he's suddenly um, become a voice of reason. And, you know, like I, I was never really a fan of him being this rebellious character that was, you know, getting into fistfights with Sean and things like that. That wasn't something I really enjoyed all that much. Um but, you know, I, I like the way they've taken this character, that he's kind of this understated, supportive character who's actually going through a lot of shit himself. But he's really there as a support for, for Sean especially. And you know, I, I like when Sean and Matt are on the same side in the show. I think that that's, you know, that's a, a good dynamic for me. It's one I enjoy. So I like it when those two are, are on the same page. And I really like that. It's quite a tender moment there where he's kind of saying, I'm, you know, I'm going to be here for you. And it's, it's nice. It's good. It's a classic Matt. Completely agree with you. Um, classic Matt will mean something different in about two seasons' time. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, there's the interchangeable scene sort of in the future where, uh, you know, we've obviously got kind of the discussion between Julia and uh, Connor and then we've got uh, Sean and uh, Matt talking about the surgeries. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a nice kind of back and forth between them. So it's, it's, sorry, it's Sean and... Uh, is it Sean and Christian? Who's Sean talking to? No, he's, it's, it's Sean and Matt are talking about the, the surgery. I haven't yeah, written as yeah. many notes down for this scene as I thought. I literally watched this episode like an hour ago. Gee, I'm getting old myself. My grey hair is... Yeah, well, I think, I think the thing is, is, you know, you've kind of got this, you know, um, sorry, Connor's doing a bit of a, a heart-to-heart um, with Julia, uh, kind of intercut with, with Sean and Matt talking about the surgery, and it's a bit a bit of this kind of passing of the, of the baton across mm-hmm. from... Um, Sean doesn't really want to to kind of lose the responsibility of, of um, doing the surgery on Connor. And, and you, you know, so you kind of have this tension between him and Matt because Matt's going to be the one doing the surgery, which is, you know, was talked about in the, the, um, the first scene of the, of them in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I kind of just like, um, you know, just the back and forth there were obviously, uh, you know, Sean saying like Connor never forgave me for the divorce. Uh, and then just kind of the stuff Julie's talking about with Connor. Just, you know, we, we talk about this all the time in Nip Tuck. They do these sort of scenes very, very well together. Um, and then it's all kind of just the ice is broken. I just love Annie walking in. This is my boyfriend. He's bisexual. <laughs> I just yeah. start making out. It's just so, oh, God, I just love it so much in this episode. Just the way they do it. Um... And then uh, from there, we got uh, Christian and Shaw. Nice little scene with them. We learn a little bit about McNamara Troy, that they've got franchises uh, about to open one up in uh, Beijing, and Caracas has been one before. Um, so, you know, things like that. Uh, good to see that they're expanding like, the business. 
if I can just stop you and go back to that anything, because it does crack me up, is that this is kind of like, don't you love how, like, in any future, um, you know, like, the the kind of term for money is always credits? She's like, yeah. I've run out of credits for the vending machine. It's like, this isn't freaking Star Wars Episode <laughs> 1. Like, why does everything have to be credits? It just cracks me up, eh, that, you know, in 20 years' time, we've gone from, you know, every country's got dollars or, you know, <laughs> pesos or euros or whatever it might be and you know suddenly we need to use credits yeah yeah because i think did i miss the part before or something like that wasn't at a dinner or something when all of a sudden random annie's just like oh just you know i had an abortion last week (laughs) she's just like she's just so random and it's just the thing that i love about it though is until we get kind of the sea with her and her parents uh you know coming up People still just ignore her. Like, they're just, oh, that's just Annie. Like, she's always doing things for attention because everyone ignores her. And that's what the beauty of this is. It's just done so well that, like, this is just an absolute commentary on Nip Tuck as a whole. Uh, that Annie is just ignored all the time. Um, and then at the end of this episode, she's leaving. So, you know, it's just so funny the way they do it. Um, but then we have the surgery and, you know, the subtle little things kind of in the future, like laser, um, scalpels and, you know, the line there from Christian of, um, you know, oh, I'll never get used to there not being, you know, any blood. Um, and that, like, that other sort of, like, weird sort of futuristic little surgery gun thing that they've got. Um, you know, just kind of a brief in the future. But I mean, that, those sort of things, you know, I'm sure they can be similar things in the future. They don't look too outlandish. Um, and then obviously we've got them in the waiting room and this is where we get, oh my goodness, this is the best scene of the whole episode. Can I just point this out? Um, Annie gets arrested for painkillers and then we get this whole section of Annie. You don't care about me. I have no memories of us ever being together. All I remember is yelling. You are the worst parents ever. Like that is so true. Like, Every single scene that Annie basically is involved in, because she references, obviously, the whole Barbie doll thing with the fingers, and, uh, you know, even Julie's just like, yes, I felt so horrible about that. Um, so then, obviously, they apologise. Like, we're terrible parents. We were never there for you. But I just love the fact that it's all but admitted right here. And the way she's like, I have no memories of us ever being together. Because you weren't ever together, because I hate you, Annie. They ignore you. It's so funny. It's really self-referential, and that's something we probably didn't point out earlier on, is that, you know, they talk about the whole situation with the gerbil getting flushed and, yes. you know, have, her having the period party. And, you know, it, it is very self-referential for things that have happened on the show. So, um, you know, it is really good. And, you know, this whole thing about, um, you know, basically that she's been overlooked and forgotten. It's a really good, and, you know, it, it's so obviously a little in-joke that the producers have, have put in there because of the way they use Annie. And, look, for the record, I actually, you know, I know we joke about it a whole lot, the kind of weird Annie thing, but, you know, I understand that, you know, Annie is this, you know, she's a device, and yeah. so sometimes she's there, sometimes she's not. She's not a central character, and that's just the way TV shows are, are made, is that you don't have everybody there all the time, and it, it's just a bit of a, a running line for us. So I understand why she's not there, but I do love the fact that they kind of reference what this would be like if, it, you know, if, if, if the daughter was kind of not there for a lot of the critical moments in a family's, you know, life that, you know, she might feel this way. So I think it, it is um, quite well written. Uh, yeah, I, I do like how they do it. Yeah, you can definitely tell it's written by Ryan Murphy. Just, you know, the, he's so self-referencing to his own show. So it's so clever. Um, we get Marlo. So this is the last time we'll see Peter Dinklage. And I, I'll say, I think they age Marlo pretty well. I think kind of that's fairly believable with Peter Dinklage, wouldn't you say? 
Yeah, I think so. There's there's nothing that I've um, that I particularly don't like about this scene. It's it, it, it works fine for me. Um, yeah. I like. I, I, think like... It, I think it's nice. I, sorry, I think it's nice that they do kind of you know that they do wrap him into the show. I think is you know is really good because I think he's you know, a critical part of the storyline, the whole Connor storyline, and I, I think it's good that he's there. I think. Um, you, you could have just talked over it and it wouldn't have mattered, but I think they, you know, I think they have him there and they use him well. So yeah, I'm, I'm pleased he's there. Mm, I agree. I agree. And this is kind of the thing, like saying before that, you know, while we'll never see him again in Nip Tark, uh, if this is to be believed as something that could happen in the future, I, I believe that he could come back into their lives, you know, just kind of the type of person Marlo is. And, you know, he's a, he's a likable character. So I think kind of, that is is believable, but I kind of like just like the references there about his kid. You know, oh, he hit the game winning shot against Georgia last. Night. Oh, I read it about it in the paper. So you know, he's obviously quite successful. Uh, but then I like the fact well, that I, I do. That does feel a little bit on the nose. That um, you know, that they have to reference the fact that this the small guy has um a son who's tall enough to be a a, um, a successful basketball player. That feels like, that feels a little bit overdone. But um, we'll, we'll just pass over that. I don't think it's I don't think it's a major. I, I, I didn't even really think about it that way. Uh, I'm just go team because Florida beat Georgia and I know they generally hate each other in sports. So there you go. Um, but I like the fact that when they get together for the photo and Annie's little line there about, Oh, this will be the last time we'll all be together until Christian's funeral. And it's like, Oh, why am I going first? And it's like, keep loading up those ribs. Um, cause didn't really mention it before when they're at lunch before, but I like it when he's like loading up on the tater tots and Sean's just like, Oh, you, you cholesterol. Like again, you could believe that's true about Christian. Um, so weird, really weird line. Like it was obviously trying to make some futuristic food about like, don't eat too much like fried foam or something like <laughs> something weird like that. I can't remember exactly what the line was, but it was something quite strange. Just like fried foam. That does not sound like a real food, but. I suppose, um, you know, cheese in a can doesn't seem like a real food either and, and that sort of thing, so, yeah. Well, they also had uh, in the dinner scene from earlier, didn't they, like when they bring that plate out to Annie and she's like, there's no iron on this, and, like that's seafood. Like that all was like squeezed little goo drops. Um, yes. You know, when they say in the future we're going to be eating food out of tablets and things like that. So, yes. you know, look so forward I like to that. this scene here where we're kind of, you know, we're, we're in the, the recovery room and, and Matt comes in and he's almost got like this Iron Man type um you know, see-through board that he's carrying around. You know, they do these, like, little nods to things that they think the future will look like, and it, it does kind of crack me up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they get the photo taken on the smallest little camera ever, ever seen. Um yeah. And then we get uh, back to the therapy. He holds up his hand. Um, I do like then the reference, though, that, like, he's obviously, you know, talking about... Um, you know, once upon a time they loved each other and it's like, oh, I, I always thought that I was conceived, you know, on a random hookup after they already gave up for the first time, which is completely true, of course. Um, so, uh, it's just kind of like an interesting little reference, but then obviously we kind of cut back to the present. Um, they're driving through Miami. We find out that Tampa's basically been wiped off. Well, that's no big loss. Um, and kind of all these references, you know, people rebuild, people do this. And then we're at the airport and we find out that Julie is going to live with the mum, with Annie and Connor in New York. Uh, Sean, uh, stares in at himself in the door. Julie comes out, gives him a hug. I love you. And I love you too. And then that is the episode, Connor McNamara 2026. Um, yeah, it's, uh, well, I just, it's a memorable I mean, I just, one, no matter what you think of it. It's a memorable one. 
Yeah, yeah, totally. And and, and I think I really want to point out this final scene because I think it's it's a really really powerful scene. This you know at the airport and um you know this this as we've kind of talked about before this show quite often has these memorable moments at the airport. Um, and this is a really good one. I you know I think it's it's just it's just well played i think um it's well acted um you really feel the emotion behind it and i mean you're definitely going to be the expert when we get into season five and six a lot more but you know this this is more or less it for, for sean and julia isn't it? i mean we don't have a sustained period where they're back together again at least not in my memory um so this is quite a quite a like a this is a table turning moment in the show where, you know, this, it's been a little bit on again, off again, but, you know, it really is off again now. You know, this is kind of it. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, I don't want to just pass over that moment because I think it is, you know, this is quite a, a big moment in the show. And I think that's what people who don't like this, this episode kind of forget that, that, you know, there is a really, really touching and important scene at the end of it. And, you know, you don't want to miss that one. You know, this is why, you know, I, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but this is why I won't be binning this episode because you really want to see that, that, that scene. It's really good and it's really critical to the show. So I think you need to see it. I, yeah, completely agree. And I think, yeah, you're right. Like this is spoilers aside, whatever. Christian, uh, Sean and Julia are basically not together again, um, from this point on, which, yay, we've been complaining about it so much, the on and on again. I guess the thing is, yeah, is that it, it doesn't mean that their relationship's completely over in terms no, of, you yeah. know, there is still an, an ongoing relationship between the two of them, um, and, you know, like, the relationship between the two of them is a central part of the show, um, so that's not, that's not going completely, it's still going to be something that's, you know, maybe not as central to the show, but it, it's definitely going to be a part of it. And yeah. but, but but this is the end of it, it, it kind of being like a marriage. And yeah, so this this is you know a big moment. Yeah, completely agree. Uh, um, and I think this episode in itself is a is a really big transitional point. Not just because you know we're looking into the future and everything, but um, you know, kind of really what we're getting from this point on in the fourth season is kind of just closing up the storylines of season four. And then when we get to season five, obviously things pretty much start afresh. So I, I kind of think the thing that's important really from this point on, uh, you know, with the remaining episodes is that, uh, we've got what, four episodes left of the season now after this episode and really not a whole lot from season four transitions across into season five because this is when they're going to be moving to LA. It's pretty much like a fresh start. Um, and a lot of people have said about Nip Tuck that this show probably should have ended at the end of the fourth season. And I'm going to say there's lots of material that they could have easily ended this at the end of the fourth season, you know. So I think kind of it could have been a possibility. And in all seriousness, I probably would have been fine with it. I'm not that I don't enjoy most of season five and maybe half of episode of season six, but it's it's you know it's still a point where you could have done it because moving forward, really, it's it's not it's not a different show. It's still the same show. We're just in a different location and we're going to have different sort of you know major storylines along the way. So, uh, it's going to be interesting kind of there, but yeah, you're absolutely right with everything you said there with Sean and Julia. And I think it's kind of, you know, a poignant moment between the two. And it's just done so subtly, um, the way kind of the, the hug and the, I love you, you know, I love you too. Um, and then kind of that's it. So yeah, it's, I mean, it's just, it's, it is an episode that no matter what you think of it, it's, it's memorable. It's very memorable. You'll always remember this episode. Um, and I just, I really find nothing at fault with this episode. This is my thing. And like, but having said that, I can see why people don't like it. I can definitely see. I think this is one of these episodes where it really borders down to an opinion based uh, matter of how, how much you do love this episode compared to hating it. But, um, 
just kind of going into our buy it, bin it, and rent it, you know I'm buying this, uh, and I'll, I'll maybe go over where I'm going to rank it overall because I've just sort of just gone through my list and done that while we talked. But uh, I know you're not binning it, but it just goes to see whether or not you're going to be uh, making it yellow or making it green on my list here. <laughs> so, I mean, you, you've said in this episode and prior to this, actually, that it's when you either you either buy it or you bin it. There's nothing in between. So, you know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go in between um, because I think for all the, all the good in this episode, I think, I, I, you know, I have to kind of at least defend a little bit the people that don't like it because I do understand why they wouldn't like it. Um, you know, I think, like I said, I, I think the aesthetic that we go for in that, that those future scenes is not great. Um, you know, I'm and I did actually say earlier in the episode that, um, you know, I didn't mind the Annie acting, um, but, I, I, you know, like, in retrospect, I think it probably is a little bit overdone. Um, you know, just the casting just is not right for me. Um, so those little things just, they distract from what could be a really good show. But I think probably what people forget is that the future stuff is actually quite a small part of the episode. Well, not a small yeah. part, but it's definitely not the majority of the episode. The majority of the episode is the stuff that's happening in the current day. Um, and so, and there is so much good stuff there. You know, we talked about at least three really good scenes there. And, you know, like I'm, I wouldn't be against actually putting the, you know, the kind of Sean Julius scene right at the end of the episode up as potentially a, you know, a, a probably won't make top five, but I'd, I'd like to have it in the conversation at least. So I think you're missing a lot if you just discard this as a really bad episode. And anyone that thinks this is the worst episode of this entire show is, they're nuts because it's not. It, there is so much good stuff in here. I mean, I, I probably think it's not even the worst episode of the season, you know? Um, so, and, and, you know, I, I think I was pretty clear in, in, in my thoughts in season three that most of that is, is garbage. And, you know, especially the stuff around the whole Nikki Connor. Oh, God, let's not go. Oh, not, not Connor, Nikki. Yeah, let's, don't, let's not. Don't mention I mean, his name. <laughs> I, I, I've forgotten it. That's how much I, I hate it. Good. Um, so, you know, yeah, so, I mean, th- that's the whole thing is that there's no way that this could be the worst episode, even based on what we've seen. And I suspect in season five and six, we might get a few more contenders for that. So oh, yeah. um, any, anyone who's ranking this as the worst episode ever of Nip Tuck is, is high. There's no way it's anywhere close to it. Um but it's not quite there for for a buy for me. It's a high rent, don't get me wrong. Um, but there's enough in here to take it out of the buy category for me. But um, I'd still make sure you you watch this at least once because it's it's definitely a, an important kind of building block of of this season and the show overall. Anybody who says this is the worst episode in Nip Tuck needs to go rewatch Sal Perry and Quick. Uh, just like just really <laughs> just watch that episode. <laughs> Um, and <laughs> just, just watch it. Um, I've actually, uh, we've now done 55 episodes of Nip Tuck and you're probably going to laugh at me. I'm going to put this at number three, uh, right wow. now. That's how much I, I like this episode. So, uh, and right now that's the highest, uh, season four episode as well. So, um, yeah, that's how much I love this episode. Uh, and this is just definitely one that I could just put on and just watch uh, out of context. It's like, cool, I want to watch an episode of Nip Tuck. I'm going to watch Conor McMurray 2026. So, yeah, that's that's where I'm putting it right now after that. And I'm also still uh, bought every single episode of this season. So, um, yeah, it's surprising the shit yeah. out of me, actually. Yeah, it's going to make for a really interesting discussion at the end of this when we talk about where we rank this. And I've already been thinking about that, about where I'm going to rank this season overall. And that's going to be a pretty tough conversation that we're going to have there about about where we're each individually putting that because, um, yeah, I mean, this has, this has been such a good season and it's been so consistent. There hasn't been, like, 
you know, there hasn't been this massively awful, there hasn't been a Sal Perry episode, basically. There hasn't no. been a bad, um, has there been an absolutely amazing, like, you know, knock it out of the park episode? Maybe not. And and that's what makes it really interesting for me is that it's so consistent. Um, the quality is just really, really good on this season. Um and, and, you know, do you prefer an, a season that's got really high highs and maybe a couple of really low lows? Um, or do you prefer something like this where you can turn up every episode and know you're going to get something that's really good? And that's going to be a fun conversation, and, and we're not too far away from having it. Yeah, no, I agree. And that's I'm glad to hear you kind of, you know, at least giving the season some praise because, again, you know, as I said at the end of Season 3 coming into this one, that I just think this is so underrated as a season. I just think it needs more love. And the fact that most people really hate season four, so um, it's yeah. baffling to me. Like it really is. I just, I, I don't know. If you're a fan of the show and you hate this season, you're not a fan of the show. Like, and that might be quite a big call, but you know, I think mm. you know, this is this is absolutely the heart of what the show is about. Like everything that the show is is in this season. So you know, like if you don't like this, then you obviously just don't like what the show is in the same way that I do, and. Yeah, that'd be an interesting conversation to have with somebody who hates season four because to me I just I don't really understand where that thought even starts. So yeah, I mean we're probably preempting that. We've got a, a couple of episodes to go, but you know, I don't think any of the episodes we've got coming up are gonna change our minds around that. Well, we're to Diane Luby, Lubay, uh, Lubay, it's French. Um, French yeah. yeah, next week, which I, I love this episode too. I mean, again, I'm not really going to say a whole lot negative about this episode. I think kind of with the Michelle stuff we get in it, it's great. I just always, always love the Christian stuff around selling his apartment. I just always love kind of the flashbacks and callbacks. So we get yep. a couple of great little moments here featuring some uh, girls from his past. And I've mentioned that a few times. Um, you know, in past episodes about this, and I just, I just love it. I just love that throwback. And, uh, you know, I, I would have liked it if there was more throwbacks, but you know, we get three kind of returning people here, kind of from his past, which are great. Um, and just, I love Sean. Like, it's kind of, it's kind of what I really appreciated. Um, last season when we had the Abby Mays episode about Christian, I really like kind of his broken side where he's just, he just didn't give a shit. Uh, and this is kind of what Chris, uh, Sean is kind of really from this point, at least for a few episodes. Um, so I just, I really like that about Sean's character. And I think the stuff with Sean and Diana just works really well. And even that storyline that we're going to get with the main, you know, the main surgery, surgery, uh, you know, subject that it's just, it's just, it's a unique storyline as Nip Tuck does well. We haven't had one, you know, uh, well, at least we didn't have one this week. It was different, but, um, yeah, I just, I just really like this episode. I don't know how you feel about it. Yeah, I think it's it's another really really good episode, and I think it um, it's quite a challenging episode. I think in terms of where you sit, you know, like in terms of the main character stuff around um, infidelity and, and things like that. And I think that any time you're getting challenged on the show um, is is good. But I also think there's um, some good humour and some some fun stuff there as well. So yeah, no, I'm I'm looking forward to discussing that one. And if you want to discuss with us, of course, as always, you can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, we're on YouTube, join in the conversation, you can email us or just head to theoznetwork.net uh, where you can find out uh, all the details you need to know about all these episodes, interviews we've done with the cast, uh, or other episodes too, of course, and we appreciate your company as we continue to go through Nip Tuck and get closer and closer towards the pointy end of this show. My name is Ben. Uh, until next week, uh, I should say I get a panic attack whenever I use a tampon. <laughs> and um, and uh, I'm Nick, and uh, just to let you all know, I, uh, I had an abortion last week.
Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.